0: Welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today's topic, who are you gonna call? Problem solvers. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin. Matthew Stubblefield is off today. Yet yeah, we let him off. So today we have a special co-host, and that is one major problem resolver, Adaptivist Managing Consultant Evan Golden. Hi Evan. Big shoes to fill. Happy to be here, Ryan. Awesome. Thanks for coming back on the podcast, my man. Also joining us today are two Adaptivist consultants that can untie some major knots. Brittany Wispel,
1: Hey.
0: And Ryan Carney. Hey, guys. Thank you both so much for being here. It is always a pleasure to see you both. And, you know, Matthew's not here, but that doesn't change Adaptivist Live. We still have a Thunderbolt round. And... Today's Thunderbolt round is what? Ch- what is a challenge that you are proud of overcoming? And uh, I go first. So there, um, my you know uh, recently, Ryan Carney and I, the two Ryans, stuck in an airport, massive travel misfunctions, um, and I kept calm. And I'm not going to say I solved this alone because Ryan was there. He helped. He helped. But through a series of conversations. Polite conversations with nice people in various airports. Uh, we, I, I managed to get us there in, unscathed. I didn't do any of the piloting, right? I didn't do that part of it, but the, but the navigating of uh, Newark and um, and LaGuardia, you know, that's that's a challenge that that I solved. What do you, did, Would you agree with that, Ryan?
2: I, I mean, I, I guess I think it depends how you uh, define unscathed. I mean, are we speaking emotionally here?
0: Oh, emotionally, nobody nobody left that one <laughs> in one piece.
2: <laughs> I'd agree with you. Uh, no, it was great. We survived. Uh, the The only casualty really was my credit card. Oh uh, yeah. Let's let's not get into into how that happened. <laughs> I
0: uh, didn't solve that problem though. You did. That's a whole other episode. Brittany, yeah. what about you?
1: Um, I recently fixed my brakes on my Jeep. Oh my gosh which was uh, a task in itself. Um, I, my caliper or the I guess the Jeep came with broken brakes and a, a stuck caliper and I didn't realize it until I almost ran off a road. And so I was uh, I researched and researched and researched what it could possibly be. turns out, um, a stuck caliper and um, after burning brakes and whatever i took my tire off i put a new caliper and brake pads on and um luckily uh, that was fixed pretty quickly but i've never done any sort of automotive stuff before but uh, you'd be surprised what you can do with youtube
0: (laughs) that is awesome Brittany. that's killer and you saved so much money (laughs) It's not yes, even funny. I
1: saved about 400 and something dollars. I only spent $67 on the caliper and brake pads. And um, yeah, Wow! And I also have two spare brake pads that I can put on the other side. So
0: and you're ready to do it. You know how to can you come fix my brakes? Our, yeah. my, our rear? Well, nice. And you've accu- accumulated a skill. That's wonderful.
1: Yes. Now, the, during the zombie apocalypse, I'll be able to Easily fix a car.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could definitely trade that for some sort of food items, Mister Carney. What's a problem you've solved?
2: Oh well, uh, you know, there, there's been so many problems that I've solved over the <laughs> years. Really. But I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit torn between uh, between two. Um, I, I always like to set goals for myself, and uh, and and you know, meeting those goals is solving the problem, right? I think that if you if you set a goal, um, how do you get there? You know that's something you got to figure out. So uh, I think a lot of the times I was always real proud of my uh, of my ranking and in online games. I think a lot of you know that I, I played video games uh, somewhat professionally uh, at a professional level at least. Uh, I don't know if my demeanor was necessarily professional while I was doing it, but I, I had I had made goals and I've always made goals I, like. For instance, when I played StarCraft back in the day, uh, a goal of mine was to reach the highest rank possible, uh, which back then I think was master rank. Uh, so, so meeting that was uh, was overcoming a, a long process and a series of challenges uh, in order to get there. It involved a lot of uh, of copying what I saw other people do, people who were much better than me, and uh, it also involved just uh, building up my necessary kind of mechanical skill set. Uh, and knowledge of the game in order to be able to actually copy those people that I thought were good. So um, for me, it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just blind copying. You also have to kind of build up your base uh, as a player, and, and then you can start to compete on that level. Um, so, so that was uh, not in my professional career. And that's what I spent a lot of time doing in my younger years. No. And I was very proud of that.
0: Well, that's, that's a heck of a problem to solve. And I would like to say that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but a good artist borrows and a great artist steals. So nothing, nothing like learning from the masters, right?
2: Evan, oh, I a hundred percent agree.
0: Evan, tell us about your, your problem solving experience. So, um,
3: I'm a father of a nine year old daughter and, uh, you can imagine how many problems I've run into over the years with, especially the, the, the most interesting ones are her personal life as she grows, uh, her relationships that she's establishing. So going a little deeper than, uh, then airports, video games, and brake changing. I it's apologize, not a contest,
0: but... Evan, but you're winning. <laughs> go ahead. It's not like um, any of us know what it's like to have nine-year-old daughters, right?
3: Uh, so, so one one of the most interesting ones that that we went through recent uh, a couple of years ago, actually, is she came home and and like like most kids, there was there was a little bit of bullying involved, and we we didn't quite really know how to handle it because you know you don't want to encourage you know physical violence at any point. But what we taught her, what we did, was convince her to go into taekwondo. And actually, it not only taught her to defend herself, but what it really taught her was confidence in herself. And I think that helped her overcome a lot of problems and challenges over the years. So so it was really kind of a a shared challenge, if you will.
0: Evan, that is a a great problem to solve, and you're helping people along the way, and that's really important. It doesn't hurt that the person is your child. I mean, but, but very good. So, We've, we've solved these problems for ourselves and for our, for our ones close to us and uh, vehicles close to us as well. But when it comes to our professional life, right, how do we as professionals co-working with people, how do we know that there's a problem and when it's not glaringly obvious? You know, we're not like um, and I know that there are going to be times in, in the tech world where a problem is bl- bl- glaringly obvious, right? Something is broken. But generally, we deal more with process. So the toilet's not overflowing. The thing's not flashing red. How do we see the issue?
3: Well, you know, I'll, I'll start that if you don't mind, Ryan. Um, so – I also not only serve as, as a, you know, in the wonderful role of being a consultant, and I get to help a lot of people with their problems all the time, but I also get to manage a team of awesome consultants. And some of the challenges that you find in consultancy is just identifying the problem in the first place, right? You go into an organization, and what you might perceive as a problem, they think it's wonderful because it's, it all really depends on their culture, how they work, um, how, they, how they team and communicate. Um, and speaking of communication internally in our team, um, in our squad, we, we, we all like to learn exactly how we communicate best with each other so that we can be most effective and, you know, be in a positive environment.
2: I think that uh, identifying problems is really difficult. Um, it's something that, that I definitely struggle with. Um, a lot of times, uh, I'll be kind of the last one to know uh, if there is a problem that that wasn't glaringly obvious to everyone else. Um, And yeah, the the rest of the team can certainly attest to my obliviousness. Um, That said, I think that, I think that when a problem exists um, it's, it's more what you find are the symptoms Uh, and those symptoms I think tend to be inefficiencies in some, in some regard. So I think whenever you analyze uh, your processes or whenever you uh, reflect back on uh, maybe your, your teams, uh, if it's a team thing. But I think, that, um, I think that just reflecting back on your process and identifying where you might be hitting inefficiencies or where there might be a uh, breakdown in that process is, is really um, how you're trying to identify things generally. Brittany, you have anything to add to that?
1: It's okay to be oblivious, Ryan.
3: <laughs> can I, Ryan, can I circle back on that just real quick? Absolutely, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, so one uh, one of the things I, I've I've tried to learn over the years, and it's really really hard uh, for many people, including me, is I call it eyes and ears, right? Because we there are a lot of a lot of symptoms, as Ryan pointed out, that you can identify if you just listen and you look. And part of the challenge, we, we work in a very distributed remote team. Um, and sometimes cameras are off, and you don't really see or understand what's really going on. And, but, but again, if you listen and look, you'll get it.
0: We've identified that there's an issue, right? We, we've listened, we've looked, we have found some symptoms. What's a good way to start a conversation about fixing it?
2: I know, uh, personally, I like to be upfront open, honest, Uh, I don't have, uh, personally, and I know this is something I've uh, told the team quite a bit, I don't have uh, the emotional capacity or maturity uh, to to deal with real issues in any way other than a straightforward way. Um, And and I think that there are maybe a lot of people like that, but they they won't come out and say it as straightforward as I am. But um, the, the only way I know how to deal about a problem is saying this is the problem, you know, I, I don't like to beat around it and I don't know how to, frankly. Um, I, I certainly know uh, maybe, I, you know, I, I think Christy can sympathize with, with that. I, I think uh, there are a lot of us here at Adaptivist that whenever we see a problem, we, we our way of dealing with it is to just immediately call it out and just say, this is the problem.
0: I think that that's actually a sign of emotional and uh, uh, personal strength when you deal with something directly. I I I I would commend you for that because um, addressing a problem at, as you see it and and addressing it on the nose is a, a far more efficient way of
2: of handling it. Right? I guess that's what it comes down to. Is that is the most efficient way, and that's how me and probably a lot of other people here like to think, uh, you know, JIRA is all about being efficient. It makes sense. A lot of us are efficient minded people um, or efficiency minded people. But um, I, I think that that is the most efficient way to deal with the problem. I think that's a great insight, but I guess the, what I always find myself asking is, is the most efficient way to deal with a problem the correct way to deal with the problem?
0: And something else that you bring up that that I want, want Evan and Brittany to, to jump in on is how the tool is the tool is important to to the problem, but it's not going to fix the problem. You mentioned Jira, right? Jira is all about problem solving, but Jira is not the solution.
3: No, Jira is not the solution. Um, you know, when I not always the solution, I should say. Uh, when, when I first walk into an engagement, you know,
0: it,
3: it, the the on site engagements are most fun because you can you can check out their office. Uh, you know, you go to a video game company; it's a lot different than going to a car company or something like that. Uh, so you get to see how they're working, how they're dressed, how their culture is, how they're snacking, how they're snacking is. I was just going to say that is exactly right. Uh, and um, and you can really see how they're communicating with each other based on their their desk layout and things like that. Once you identify that, you can help them identify any gaps in their pro- processes. And once you identify those gaps in their processes, you're not just putting a bandaid on with Jira. You're actually implementing a tool that's going to scale to where they want to go.
0: Brittany, what do you think?
1: Um, I, I agree with Evan. There's, there's many a times where somebody's tried to do something with Jira that Jira is just not supposed to be used for. And that usually gets you into some system issues and whatnot that cause more headaches than, um, than solutions in the end.
0: Do we see that happening when requirements are being translated into the tool or we're trying to, to communicate what we want done? How does that happen?
1: I mean, I would like to put everything in Jira, but I just know it's not smart to put everything in Jira, right? Because. Wait, what? (laughs) Okay. Okay. You're not going to try and make Jira its own, like, housing all your information. You you shouldn't house all information in Jira.
0: That's what Confluence, Bitbucket, Bamboo, and other Atlassian products are
1: for. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, you know, a lot of people just want Jira to be their magic. Okay. Cure all thing, but it just, it, it, it's just not smart.
0: I think, go ahead, Evan. You, you know, I, I actually,
3: you bring up the requirements gathering. I actually, believe it or not. I mean, I, I love working with the tools, but that's my favorite part of the engagement is, uh, is actually trying to just listening to what their problems are and, and, and writing them on paper. And cause sometimes they don't even know what that would look like on paper. And uh, or in confluence, we we don't write it on paper. We put it in confluence, right? So, uh, you, you know, they, they they can now see, and and it's a tangible thing, and and they can identify it as a problem, so that you can tool to it.
2: Now, the nice thing, Evan, about having those requirements is that it's uh, it's a clear definition of what your problem is. I feel like a lot of times when I'm with a client, I'll hear uh, from one person that this is a problem, and from another person, I'll hear something else entirely is a problem, I'll speak to a third person and they could contradict everybody and say, actually, none of those are problems. Uh, my problems are entirely different. So it, it's one of the interesting things working with clients is uh, how everyone has their own set of problems and how they think that other people's problems aren't problems at all. Um, so I think the requirements are really nice to have because it's a clear definition of what your problems are and how to resolve them.
0: How do our listeners start defining requirements in a way that helps them solve their problems?
3: So uh, really, the, the first thing I recommend when, when, when a client is going through a requirement phase uh, and definition phase is get all the right people in the room. Your perception of what a requirement is is very different than what the next person is. Uh, additionally, you need to really understand what a properly written requirement is, too. It's got to be testable. It's got to be attainable. It can't be vague in any way or subjective. Uh, You have to be able to understand when that thing really is met.
1: Um, I just recently did an aug over project methodologies. Um, And you really need to make sure that your team is working in a way that they want to work. And that should also kind of be considered whenever writing requirements. You don't want to, um, you don't want to, make your team do scrum when they're not a good scrum team when they really should be doing Kanban or something and they're not enjoying the way that they're working. Um, so that's my two cents on that one.
2: You you bring up a good point though, Brittany. And it's something that I see a lot of clients uh, having a debate internally about. Um, and it's whenever you put a solution on top of something that that doesn't necessarily fit the problem. I think that's, like the heart of what you were getting at. Um, you know, a lot of teams might not need Agile or a lot of teams might actually need Agile uh, and, and they're not on it. But um, there, there is something to be said for each individual client, each individual situation being different and uh, how the same solution just doesn't fit everyone. Yeah, you know,
3: it's, it's, it's very interesting. You guys both brought up a really great point. Part, part of it too is, uh, is not solutioning too fast. Right. So many times we go into an engagement and, you know, there is a clear cut solution in the client's mind, but it, it really might not be the right solution for them. Um, and really baselining requirements and then solutioning is the ideal way to go.
2: Uh, so recently I was asked to uh, speak at my OG, and uh, when I was speaking at the OG, uh the topic was chosen for me. The topic was uh, top tips for optimizing your JIRA and Confluence. Well, I thought to myself, how are you going to optimize uh, every individual system? I and mean, they're all gonna be different. So really what I thought of were common problems that people have. Uh, common problems are what leads to all these various symptoms uh, later on whenever clients are having issues and, and they're, they're contacting you. So I think it's more about building a solid foundation and avoiding those common problems. Uh, as you grow your, your instances,
0: all right, guys! Fantastic discussion around solving problems. Here's our tradition. Our new tradition is the last question of the uh, the podcast. Everybody gets. I uh, uh, our last question is: What can Atlassian do to make problem solving easier for the teams that are using their products?
1: That's a loaded question.
0: That's how I ask them, Brittany. What do you think? I'll kick it off. Um, so, with Atlassian.
3: I mean, look at their slogan. It's about team. And uh, I really consider uh, our team more, you know, actually like a family. So we really solve problems for each other. Uh, we, we can observe and understand what we're going through. Uh, so with Atlassian tools, you can help organize and structure that so that when, you're, when you are a remote distributed team, uh, you'll be able to understand what someone's priorities are for the day. Uh, you'll be able to understand even on like a Trello board, uh, what people are working on throughout the day, uh, maybe within confluence, how, how people want to write and collaborate um, and draw pictures and things like that. So you really get a sense of who people are so that you could collectively solve problems.
1: Well, I guess it is also a part of their slogan for um, no bullshit. And uh, I really had to throw that one in there because problem solving does not need the extra added BS along with it. I don't know where I'm trying to go with this, but I really wanted to use that slogan.
0: (laughs) Ryan, what about you?
2: What was the question again?
0: You got it. No, I'm just, I'm totally joking, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Trying to make you lose it. Um, You know, for me, uh, this is maybe specific just to me, but I find it really annoying whenever you're working in an Atlassian product and you get an error message and it tells you to refer to the logs for an error message. If you're gonna give me an error message, just give me the actual error message. Don't make me go into the logs. Come on, guys.
0: So, so put the error message in the in the message. Yes. All right, I Brittany. Have, what about? Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. I have a I have a thing about that. So before I was actually very before I was a good Jira admin, I guess I had to kind of figure out different ways to find those logs because I wasn't allowed to be on the back end to look at those logs and i used my resources and used script runner to find that built-in console or the built-in scripts where it gave you the logs of the last 100,000 stuff and you could have a field day in there and so that's how i would find the logs in jira was using script runner
0: so, nice
1: yeah problem solving right there
0: problem solving with script runner All right. I want to thank our guests, Brittany Wispel and Ryan Carney for being with us today and my generous co-host, Evan Golden, for jumping on the Problem Solving cast. Are you interested in coming to work with a bunch of talented geniuses like these? Well, visit joinadaptivist.com. Do you have a suggestion for this podcast or would you like to be on a future episode? Send us a message at at learnadaptivist.com. For Evan, Brittany, and Ryan, I'm Ryan Spilkin. Thanks for joining us this week on Adaptivist Live.
2: Does that make sense? (laughs) We should just cut that whole thing.
0: No, no, no. It's fine. It's (laughs) fine.
2: (laughs) I'm just kidding. But there's our blooper.